0: You know, what we're gonna talk about today in in the last installation of this Mirror Mirror series is uh, weakness and strength. And this idea surprisingly goes beyond finding somebody who is weak and lending your strength to them. We talk about that a lot in the church, the idea of of finding the marginalized, those who are uh, downcast in spirit and lifting them up in the name of Jesus, serving other people as the hands and feet of Jesus. We talk about that a lot here and that's important and that's central to our faith, excuse me, to be able to serve. What we're gonna talk about today is a little bit different. Today is not so much about the idea of God looking at my past and the failures and the weaknesses of my past and saying, that's okay, I love you. I see you as whole and perfect. But it is the idea of looking at you in your weakness and seeing strength. Seeing the strength that he has placed in you. And we're gonna talk about kind of what that looks like today. Now, before we do that, we're gonna tap into a little cultural wisdom from our friend uh, Kelly Clarkson. She, uh, she has said this about a particular idea that's floating around in our culture the idea that God will never give you anything you can't handle, and her expert advice is, and I agree, so don't stress. So God's not gonna give you anything that you can't handle, so why don't you chill a little bit? Don't stress about whatever that is. But the problem with that is that God never really said that. He said something like that, and it goes a little bit like this. If we'll take a look at the scripture together in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes this, he says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humankind. God is faithful. Look what he says here. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Do you see the difference in the two philosophies? The idea from scripture is, that God will not allow any temptation to come across the bow, to come into your life that you cannot step away from in the name of Jesus and say, "Uh, no thanks, I won't be a part of that sin because of the Holy Spirit working in me. I'm gonna step away from that. That's the idea. But our culture has kind of taken that idea and hijacked it a little bit and made it into something related to our weakness where we're tempted to say, God will never give us anything in life that we can't handle. That's not true. God will allow things in your life that you cannot handle. He will allow you to be tempted and give you the strength to stay away from temptation through the Holy Spirit. But there are circumstances that will come along in your life that will be too much for you you will not be able to bear up under them. And you will be faced with those circumstances and you will feel despair. You will feel hopelessness. You will feel inadequacy. You will feel weakness. And yet at the same time, God speaks into that idea very specifically and very directly. He speaks into the idea that we are not so much overcome by temptation as it were, It's not about temptation that we're talking about strength coming into so much, but it's about the idea of weakness. And in our culture, weakness is not seen as an admirable quality, is it? Whether you find yourself at the gym working out with free weights, or find yourself at the gym on machines, or find yourself in the gym with veins popping out of every square inch of your body, trying to overcome the aging process. And by the way, V mentioned something earlier about her vision, the idea that she can't see something up close and she has to back it off a foot or so, that's called the 40s. (laughs) And no matter what you've been through with your eyesight, you're gonna have to back that stuff off when you get into the 40s. It happens to all of us. And so no matter how we see going to the gym or not going to the gym, working out or not working out, Our culture does not embrace weakness as a virtue. Our culture looks down on weakness and says, how can we fix that for you? And for a price of fill in the blank, we can advise you on how to become stronger. So the idea kind of looks like this. Anytime you find yourself weak in any of these spheres of life, the financial realm, the physical realm, the relational realm, where in the relational realm, you might feel insecure if you don't have enough friends. Or if you live in a neighborhood where everybody else is friends, but you're not a part of that group. Or you hang out with other people and you feel socially awkward because you don't wanna do the things that they do. Or maybe you're in a marriage relationship that's struggling. You think marriage ought to be perfect. And you think that it ought to be the gift from God that it is intended to be, but your marriage doesn't play out like that. Or maybe you're working a job where you should be making a certain amount of money at this station and age in your life, but you're not. And in fact, maybe you're looking at a career or posting in somewhere in life that you're gonna be making less money. You're gonna be downgrading financially. The world looks at those ideas says oh man no you're moving in the wrong direction here's how you need to move towards strength in the right direction but God allows us to have these weaknesses for a specific reason and I show you the graphic of the young lady on the screen because she's not faking it she has a distressed look on her face it looks like she's getting ready to go through something difficult difficult or maybe already is going through something difficult we've all been there It may not be anything as basic as those four realms that we talked about a minute ago, friendship and financial and such. It could be a physical hardship. Or it could be that you're just living your regular normal everyday life and you're wondering if this is it. And maybe you feel weak in that. Maybe you don't feel like the strength that you ought to. And this is where the encouragement of God comes. What I'm showing you a picture of now, if you're listening by podcast, is the face of Jesus on the cross after he has died. In this rendering, Jesus is dead and his eyes are looking right at you. They are eyes of death. There's no life there. And sometimes when you're in the middle of moments of weakness in your faith, you feel like your faith is dead too, just like this like there's nothing really behind your faith that gives you life anymore. And in moments of weakness, you can be tempted to feel that the weakness you're experiencing is your own inadequacy and the fact that maybe you've been somehow abandoned by God, that God doesn't see you anymore, that he's not paying attention to you anymore, that he's not saving you anymore, even though he promised never to leave you nor forsake you. But the reason I wanted to show you this very dismal picture is because three days later, after this was the case, what was in Jesus' eyes? Life again. And when he saw life again, he saw the faces of those that he loves and he stayed with them and he spent time with them And he encouraged them and he lifted them up. This is something that the Apostle Paul was working through in the reading that Heather shared with us. I'm going to read it for you again in the NIV. Again, for a different perspective. Here's what Paul says. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, because of these great or surpassingly great revelations. What Paul was talking about there is that he is a really smart guy. And when he was coming from the Jewish faith into the Christian faith, in the Jewish faith, he was actually a very strong person. He was very high up on the hierarchy of education and power amongst the Jews. He was a Pharisee, but he was like a chief of Pharisees which is why when he came to faith in Jesus, the whole Jewish world around him was shocked and really didn't trust him in the beginning. And as he came to faith in Christ, he began to understand how faith in Christ works in the context of the need for a Messiah. His Jewish heritage had taught him that the Messiah, the savior they were going to be looking for is actually Jesus. And Jesus is the promised one, the chosen one who was to come. And through all these revelations that Paul had, he found himself at the same time being very smart and very well-equipped to share the faith, but at the same time dealing with some kind of weakness. This is what he says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And at that time, he lost his power. He had much power in the Jewish faith before he became a Christian. And then when he became a Christian, he encountered this thorn in his flesh. Now, we don't know exactly what the thorn was. We're pretty sure Paul didn't have an actual thorn in his flesh. We think that this is metaphorical and that it probably was an eye disease, Paul talks in the book of Galatians about see how I write, how large I write these letters with my own hand. He talks about the Galatians being willing to pluck out their eyes and give them his eyes. So there is some thinking out there in the scholarship that Paul had some kind of eye condition or eye disease. Uh, When I was growing up, I had uh, very thick glasses. They were about a quarter inch thick, and this was back in the 70s before we had thin lenses or even soft contact lenses. My prescription was about a negative 10 index. If you wear glasses, you know that that's a pretty thick prescription, right? Crystal's like, yeah, that's really bad. (laughs) So it would be so bad that when I was playing baseball as a kid, I would square up at the plate, you know, bend your knees and elbows and get ready to see the ball. And my glasses would be so thick that the ball would come at me at a curve. And I don't mean a curveball like over the top. I mean the thing would come at me like curved to the left. So sometimes I would lean into the ball and get hit because I couldn't see accurately. So then soft lenses came along. And when I was nine years old, my daughter's age, Maddie, I got the first pair of soft contact lenses. My world just opened up. And then I went through some really difficult, hard times in the 90s. I won't go into much detail, but there were times in the 90s when I just flat out didn't want to be alive anymore. I wanted to die. I was going through some difficult times. And in those moments, I asked God, God, I don't know how you're feeling about me right now. I know what you're doing with me right now. I hear the message that you love me, but I don't know if I can believe that about myself right now. I would just ask you, would you be willing to heal my eyes so I can see? And I don't know why I asked him that. Of all the stuff that was going on in my life at that time, that was almost like a trite little thing. So I let that go and and realized, you know, I don't know if God's ever gonna do anything with my eyesight. My life got better and God healed me. He redeemed me again. And shared with me again the good news of Jesus. That in my weakness, God intended to show his strength. And that it wasn't my strength he was concerned with. It was his strength. And he allowed me to go through a very difficult time. Most of which was me bringing stuff onto myself, I'll be honest. He allowed me to go through a very difficult time. So that he could make his weakness or his strength work through my weakness well four years later somebody gave me a financial gift that allowed me to participate in a new little surgery they were developing called LASIK I had LASIK surgery in the year 2000 it was one of the newest procedures back then and the surgeon was a doctor who was also a Christian and as I was laying on the table in surgery he said, Mike, we have the opportunity to push the envelope a little bit and go for 2020. Would you like to do that? And I said, if you're a believer as I am, can we pray and then do that? So with me laying on the table, all exposed, and I won't go into detail, he prayed a little prayer and then he pushed the laser. And then I woke up three days later seeing 2020 for the first time since I was about three years old. And I remembered asking God to heal my eyesight. And I remembered that sometimes, God grants those prayers, those wishes, and gives us the things that we ask for. Sometimes he doesn't, but in any and all cases, he intends for the suffering that happens in that moment to be used to show his strength and his power, his glory, and his might to show his love. Now we don't know what that looks like when we're in the middle of moments of weakness. Sometimes we cannot see the end result. We cannot see what it is he's trying to accomplish. But that's why he grows our faith in times of weakness. We lose power And when we receive strength from God, we're tempted with pride. This is the second part that the apostle Paul was dealing with. He kept his weakness in perspective by noting that he came from a background of strength and power personally, and he recognized that God would allow him to go through a moment of weakness or even a lifetime of weakness in order to help him remember who is God and who is not. He is God and he loves us, and we are not. And so going through times of weakness and seeing God's strength at work in us, in his promises, deals with our pride. Pride is what got us in trouble in the Garden of Eden. Pride is what gets us in trouble to this very day. When we believe and confess in some way, form, or fashion, whether it be because of our physical strength, our financial strength, our relational strength, our marriage strength, or some other kind of strength that we have, some other kind of gift we have that makes us and tempts us to believe that we are truly strong without God. God allows us to see the truth that we are only strong in him. And when that happens, we see purpose. We see God working through us taking all of the strengths that he has lent to us for this time being in this life to show himself to be strong so that whenever we're in a position somebody says to us how is it that you have such a great physique at the gym how is it you have such financial balance how is it that you're able to have so many cool friends in your neighborhood and how is it you're able to have such a great marriage Instead of saying it's because I'm so good at what I do and I'm so awesome, that we can come back in context and say it is not because of my strength, it is because of the strength of the one who loves me and has given me all I have. And his name is Jesus. Think about that. Think about the purpose of your weakness. And think about the purpose of the strength that God gives you for moments of time. Think about how God uses that to show his love to people who would not experience it otherwise. Look back at the scripture again in uh, chapter 12, there Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, three times I pleaded with the Lord, the scripture says, to take this thorn away from me. But God said to me, read this with me in bold. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Well, wait a minute. I thought the power of God was perfect already because I thought God was perfect already. So how is it that God can take my little old life and my weaknesses and take his power to the next level of perfection? Well, the underlying language here, the original language is not so much that God's power is imperfect without me. It's that God chooses to display his power perfectly and completely through me. It's not that God is weak. It's not that God is imperfect. It's not that God is incomplete. It's that God chooses to express himself through me. And in that expression, through you and me, his message is perfect. Do you understand? you see yourself in that? God's message of strength and power and love is made complete through you, not around you, not in spite of you, through you. And there is no other way. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. In other words, so that everything that God has made me to be a vessel for his strength, his glory, his honor, and most importantly, his love falls upon me and then comes how? how? Through me. Now the idea is this, it's like worship through your weakness. Have you ever thought about a moment of weakness as a moment of worship? Have you ever thought about an enduring season of weakness where you had a difficult time with something, physically, financially, relationally, maritally, some other way, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, The list goes on and on. A season of weakness. Have you ever thought about why that was there? It's an opportunity to worship. It's an opportunity to receive strength from God, but utterly and completely participate in God's perfect power. You can say to yourself in a season of weakness, I am in the middle of God's power right now. And what you will have said to yourself will be 100% true. Based on what? Not the world shows you or teaches you, but what God says to you through his great word. He works it out like this. He says in verse 10, this is why for Christ's sake, for the sake of Jesus, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm truly strong. The idea is that we see the crown of thorns on the head of Jesus. We remember his eyes dead on the cross. And then we remember again what he was like when he was with his disciples, when his power was made perfect Through his weakness, he allowed himself to go to the cross to be utterly persecuted, stripped naked, and hung out for all to see until he died so that there would be no question whatsoever that he was in those moments utterly weak and the thorns were pressed into his head. Three days later, he would be shown to be utterly strong because he had conquered death and weakness and imperfection and spiritual incompletion forever and ever. And that is meant to be felt by you and me every single day as we encounter small weaknesses and big ones. So our question for the group today, including all of us, including me, is what is your thorn in your flesh? Your thorn might be psychological or emotional, financial, vocational, relational, spiritual. What is your thorn? Whatever that thorn is, let us agree together to recognize and realize that God is not only strong and in control, but he calls us to participate in his strength through our moments of weakness. And in that, he makes us really, truly strong, even if we don't feel like it. What's your thorn right now? Is your thorn that maybe you don't believe that God loves you and is with you in your weakness? Is your thorn one of the other uh, issues that we mentioned before? Receive this encouragement from the Lord. Receive his power and his strength. Because in those moments of weakness, there's purpose. Even when you feel powerless. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is with you in those moments of weakness? And he's not allowing you to go through it for anything less than his great purpose of loving and saving the world around you those faces who will see you go through that weakness and yet be strong. That's amazing good news to me, and I hope it is to you too. As we get ready to receive the kids back, would you bow your heads and pray with me, and let's just receive the full measure of this message. God, I ask that you open my heart to receive this idea because it really is backwards from what I know. When I'm in the middle of weakness, I don't feel strong. It seems upside down, and it's just like you told uh, your people the um, foolishness of the wise and and all these backwards concepts that you talked about. uh, Foolish things will be wisdom, and wise things will be made to be foolish, and strength will be made weak, and weakness will be made strong. All these backwards ideas are related to your grace and your power and your purpose God, sometimes I confess to you that I, in my moments of weakness, I forget about you. I forget that you have a purpose and a plan for me and that sometimes you allow me, even at my own hand, to experience weakness. I want to confess that and lay that before you and give that up. I want to remember by the power of your Holy Spirit that you love me and have called me out to be in the middle of a world of weakness, weak, but strong. Not with my strength and power, but with the strength and power that comes from on high. I confess that to you, God, and I receive all that you are in faith, in strength, in glory, and in love. Through all that you've given me and all that you will, including times of weakness, to remember you. It's in your name we pray and together we say, amen and amen. Why don't we stand and sing together?